White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 785. Hey guys, this is Cole Kublik from WJOX in Birmingham and the SEC Network, and you're listening to the AU Wishbone. A great win, and then not, not so much. The next game, yeah, not, not, not so much. Where do we go from here? The AU Wishbone is next. You're listening to the AU Wishbone, almost credible sports discussion on the White Rocket Entertainment Network. The Auburn crowd can smell it. They can taste it. They can almost see Minneapolis. I'm not even hungry and I can taste it. The Auburn Tigers, for the first time ever, are going to the Final Four. From the palatial White Rocket Studios in Southern Illinois, Eastern Virginia, it's the AU Wishbone Podcast, John. How are you tonight? Very well, Van. How are you? I'm good. I had the day off today. I was just saying, this is really strange. This is uh, Lincoln's birthday, and so Illinois, some of us get today off. How strange. But I'm here, and I'm ready to rock. I am your host, Van Allen Plexico, and I'm joined as always by my co-host. I'm John Ringer. So, John, we've got a couple of basketball games to talk about. We've got at least one coaching change to talk about. A few other things going on in the Auburn world. And before I even get into our traditional, our our as they always love to say, the newest Auburn tradition, which is a like jumbo shrimp. It's a contradiction in terms. Um, <laughs> but uh, before we get into that, I want to just get this out up front because we need to spread the word. We need to spread the word. I want you to put the word out there. That we are going to be in Birmingham and in Auburn in less than a month. Very exciting. And with us, we will be dispensing out the bounty known as First Time Ever and Auburn Basketball. Hardcover and paperback editions available, signed by us right there in front of you. What a deal. We come to you. We're coming to the people, John. That's what we do. If you were unable to get a copy of First Time Ever because it was in the Kickstarter and you missed the window of opportunity, this is it. Yes. It's going to be online, but also what better place to get it than straight from us in person. Mm, that's right. And get you that basketball book before um, spring, uh, before the March Madness really gets going in a big way. That'll be that's fun because right. people will be really into Auburn basketball coming up in, uh, you know, in March and April, hopefully into April. And, um, yeah, come pick up Auburn basketball. It's the history of Auburn's basketball program from Sonny Smith's era I and mean, Charles Barkley and all that all the way up until last year. And then um, we've also got uh, this, this brand-new book, First Time Ever, uh, which is I, it's got the long subtitle, but it's basically the 1989 Iron Bowl, how the untold story of how we got Alabama to Auburn and then beat them. And um, really proud of that book. I think it's it's just so good. I'm really excited about it. How it came out. That's one of the great benefits of having a co-author is you can say stuff like that. If I had done it all by myself or you had done it all by yourself, it's harder to say it's a really good book because you want to be modest and all. But I can say that's a really good book. Way to go, John! <laughs> right? And you can say the same. Yeah. Exactly. See, so we can, yeah, so we can say that because we weren't all, it wasn't all one of us. See, so 
Um, but yeah, I'm really excited about it. And so we're going to be on Friday afternoon, I believe starting at like five o'clock in the afternoon on Friday, we will be at the Little Professor Bookstore in Homewood um, in Birmingham, in Greater Birmingham. And I think they're talking about having snacks and drinks and stuff there, maybe a special guest. I think maybe we're going to have a little conversation about it or something like that. So it'll be a neat little present. Yeah, it'll be great. That's March 8th. And then Saturday, March 9th in the afternoon, prior to the Georgia basketball game in Auburn, we will be at Auburn Oil Booksellers down near Toomer's Corner. And I'm not sure they're going to have festivities so much as we'll just be there all afternoon. Maybe, excuse me, maybe maybe out on the sidewalk if it's not too cold or inside or whatever. And we'll have the books and we'll be ready to talk uh, Auburn football, Auburn basketball to your heart's content. We'll uh, And we'll sign your books or whatever. So if you've already got one that's not, well, you wouldn't have one that's not signed yet. Because everyone that's been sold so far has been a signed copy. But they'll be coming out about the same time. They'll be like on sale about the same time that we're there. So we'll keep an eye out. We'll let you know. Um and I'm also going to be on Zach Blackerby's uh, show at the beginning of March to try to get the word out about it, too. So I'm looking forward to talking to Zach again and kind of uh, getting getting people fired up. We really need to stir up the publicity. I've noticed the two bookstores, as of yesterday, had not put anything on their calendar about it. But they've been emailing me that it's good to go. They just haven't actually put it up on their website yet. But it is. they are happening. They're happening. If we have to sit out in the parking lot... <laughs> And sell them off the well, back of we, a car. We will be there, and it yeah. is exciting. I'm ready to yes. go. I'm very excited, ready to do it. All right. <sighs> okay, so please spread the word. That's what we really ask of you. Show up if you can. If you can't show up, please spread the word. I don't want to be embarrassed by nobody showing up. We had a huge, huge outpouring of folks wanting to get the book on Kickstarter in November, and that was awesome. And we had a huge outpouring of people coming to get the basketball book, and we believe from us in Auburn last fall. So I'd like to keep the streak going and have a nice turnout and not look embarrassed in front of the bookstore. So that would be awesome if you get the word out. Now, uh, as we tend to do at this point, It's the Auburn Fun Meter. It's our weekly look at how much fun it is to be an Auburn fan right now. And it's a number between 0 and 10. And we've kind of been hovering around the middle lately because we've had, the John, the Fun Meter giveth and the Fun Meter taketh away. And um, we have to figure out the balance, I guess. Yeah, uh, us and everybody else. My, uh, my parents texted me. Late Saturday, it said their fun meter for the day was negative three. (laughs) (laughs) But just a few days earlier, it had probably been 13 out of 10, right? Yes. Yes. So I think we were in a good place coming into the week. Mm -hmm. We beat Alabama, which was (sighs) epic. And then we lost to Florida. It was a tough loss. But Though totally predictable. I I had had zero hope. Podcast. That we'd never win there. Nope. Uh, so I'm still, for me, a, 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 this is crazy to say because of the recency of the Florida, I'm still a net positive for the week yeah. because that Alabama loss was so good and it made me so happy. So I'm going to say a six. Yeah, that sounds about right. I'll say a six. No, I, I'm, I, I've started watching. See, this is the thing. I, 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 have, I have very uh, tight control over my f- sports emotions. We've talked about this. And so I went into it as low expectations as I possibly could set them. And when they came out and hit that three, I was like, yep, here we go. (laughs) 
Here we go. It's on. I, I, okay. I, we're going straight from the fun meter into this because I had this in the show notes and I wanted to ask this question. Okay. How did you – we'll start with the Florida game and work backwards. That's good. How did you feel yeah. in the first few minutes of the Florida game and then how did you feel when it was over? First few minutes of the Florida game, I was just like nodding like, mm-hmm, yep. Yep, yep, yep. That's exactly what I expected. It's another one of these things where we're on the road at a place we never play well. We can't throw it in the ocean. And the other team seems like they're, they've got a cattle prod up their butt. I mean, the way that Florida defended us was the way Alabama defended us in Tuscaloosa, which is like 10 times better than they do in a normal game. We've, mm-hmm. we've gotten supreme defensive performances out of Alabama in Tuscaloosa and Florida in Gainesville in those two games. They were all over us. And they don't play like that normally, I don't think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just was – I was not remotely surprised. I was disappointed. And I kept thinking, come on, we can turn this around. And then when it got to like – and it, you know, at one point it was like 20 to 6 or something. And I'm like, yeah, it's yeah, not good. Because it didn't look like we were solving it. It looked, like, it looked like we were able to kind of pull even with them, but it never felt like we got the upper hand and could come all the way back. Yes. In the, the last two-thirds of the game, we played mm-hmm. them evenly. Even, exactly. Like it was an even matchup, and, it, and yeah. it would have been you know, down the wire. But we had already dug a giant hole giant at hole. that point, and we yeah. didn't fill the hole up and then play even. Oh, at, half, even. at halftime, I told my wife, I said, if they started the game over now, I think we could win, but the way it's, you know, but where it was though, it was just not going to happen because we didn't need another, I, we, we would need like a 15 to nothing run and that was not going to happen. I felt the same way when I started watching the game and it was just like, boom, 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 boom. And we're, you know, it was like eight, nothing or whatever that it was like, I don't even know. It was like 14 to two or something. It was, it was bad at the start of the game. Yes. And I was like, well, I'd like you, I was like, well, here we go. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. this is, this is what playing in Gainesville is like. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, I I'll be honest. I emotionally detached myself in the first mm-hmm. half. I was like, no, this is we, I'm watching, but this is, uh, you know, it's not going to happen today, and it, that is going to be okay. And I want to go through this game a little bit more. I think it's a great idea to start with yeah, Florida and work backwards. But, um, yeah, I, I lost my train of thought on it. But, but the Florida, um, it, it never felt like – oh, I know what I'm going to say. This team, this Auburn team, as much as I kind of hate to admit it, is, is looking not specifically but overall in general – like two years ago, the Jabari Walker uh, Kessler team, not because it plays the same way, it doesn't, but because it can be dominant against some teams and it can lose all of its offense against others. And because it forgets how to shoot three pointers just like that team did, you know, under the wrong circumstances if they're if, if teams play in the right way. Um, I really thought this team had more options than the two years ago team and could go further maybe, even if it doesn't have quite the great players that that team did, maybe, kind of, sort of. There's no Jabari Smith on this team, but there's a lot of – if he's a 10, there's a lot of eights. You know what I mean? Um, And so I thought maybe those eights could overcompensate for for not having a 10. But but it seems like when – 
when this team runs into adversity, it kind of becomes the 2022 team that just cannot make a free throw. Can't make a three-point. They do better at free throws, but they can't make a three-pointer. They just can't They can't drive and penetrate to say that KD's the only one that even tries, really. Uh, although, I got to say, uh, Donaldson really did make some good effort early on. Um, I might be in the Alabama game I'm thinking of. but um, No, he did. I, I, but I think in the Florida – one of the things we talked about in this podcast a few times is the kind of the rock, paper, scissors thing. Yeah. Where different teams are bad matchups. And I don't think this was a, well, it's a road game and Auburn plays bad on the road and therefore it was the result. I think Alabama is actually a much better matchup for us than Florida. Florida is one of the tallest teams mm-hmm. in the country. They're in the top 10 in like the height of the whole team. They have a lot of big guys inside that can match up with Broom and Jalen Williams. And their guards are big and athletic, which I think you know kind of overpowered our guards a little bit. And so you were talking about driving. I think the our guys driving in was actually a became a problem because they got in there and there was no, nowhere to go. Yes, that's you know, true. They couldn't that's get true. a shot up and they couldn't get it to anybody in any position. I think Florida did a great job defending our passing and knowing where we like to set up and then and cutting those lanes off, especially that kind of inside-out passing where we pass it down to Broom or Jalen and then back out to an open shooter. We, could, we never got that to work at all in the game. And we and, missed the shot when we did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, you know... We did. We shot free throws terribly, as you said, in that game in particular. That was just crazy. Broom uh, had a particularly bad shooting game, free throw and otherwise. He did, and I think part of it was he was, you know, playing guys bigger than him, uh, and they just bodied him and bodied him the whole game. I, I'm not a person that you know fusses and whines about the officiating, but I thought the officiating in that game was not good. Yeah. And I thought Auburn got the crap beat out of him. And in particular, the I mean, the call that just killed me, there was a Florida player that went way over the back and just mauled an Auburn player, and, and they ended up calling it a jump ball. Yeah, and yes. That, the, I, I think the Auburn basketball Twitter account retweeted that video because it was so silly. Yeah, of course. Um, it's terrible. But the, I felt like there was a lot of that. There was a – you know, when our guys went to the basket – uh, they were not going to get a foul call, and we toward the end we were getting them fi- in foul trouble, but uh, a little bit. But it was too little, too late. I feel like even though we couldn't get a shot off, I felt like we should have been making that effort earlier. And then you start maybe fouling some of those guys out, and then I, we would have had a chance. I think we were making it earlier. They just yeah. weren't going to call. It. They just weren't calling it. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, so after the game, Bruce said he talked about. He says when you're out. Uh, when you're out of the bye week, and Florida obviously had the bye week, they played Saturday at A&M. Saturday night, they're thinking about their next game. It's Auburn. Sunday night, their next game's Auburn. Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, those guys, they had five nights to think about their next game against Auburn, and they looked like it. They were ready to go. We played Alabama on Wednesday night. Prior to that, we're thinking about Alabama, as you should. Take it one at a time. And then 
Then the guys come in Thursday. Can't really do much after such a hard-fought, hard-played game Wednesday night, so we get a little bit done Thursday. We leave, fly out at 3 o'clock in the afternoon Friday, so we practice just a little bit on Friday, a couple hours. So we had Thursday night and Friday night. We had two nights. They had seven nights, Florida did. And then he said, I just think from the standpoint of emotions and being ready, it did look like we were a little fatigued. We weren't quite as sharp. But that's the grind of the schedule. you got to race the grind. But I thought this was good, John. He says, I would say on bye weeks, the team that has the bye week should travel uh, and or then maybe play Tuesday instead of Wednesday. That's really good. It, it didn't make any sense that we had to play a huge game against the number one team in the conference and then have two days off to prepare to go to the house of a good team that had had a whole week to prepare. That isn't right. No, it is not. And I think the bye week thing is real. I think it's a real advantage. I think it made a huge difference in this game. And and some of it is because of how big the Alabama game was. That was a high-stakes game. This team was very invested in, very focused on. And that was a you know, an absolutely physical and emotionally draining game. Yes. And so I think, I do think they looked better rested than us. I mm. think, I think if we played Florida on a neutral court where both teams had the same amount of rest, the game would look different. I'd like I'm to not saying so. we win by 20 points or whatever, but I don't think it would be like that. Yeah, because so many of our players just were almost useless in this game. I mean, Dylan Cardwell, who's been so good, really didn't do a whole, wasn't able to do much. And Holloway wasn't able to do much. Jalen Williams Jaylen. for most of the game wasn't able to do much. Uh, the new guys didn't really accomplish a whole lot. Usually there's one guy that steps up, but I didn't really see yeah. anybody. And of course, Broom had it, Broom was stifled the whole time. It was just kind of a collective effort just to get on the board and register. In fact, it's kind of, it's kind of horrifying to admit that 81 to 65 flatters us, right? They won 81 to 65, but that actually looks better than it actually was. They were up like 30 mm-hmm. in the second half. It could, that it could have been 81-45, honestly, the way that game was going. So, yeah. No, that's fair. Not I mean, uh, I, some credit to our team. I think I'm going to I mean, I'm going to give Auburn credit here. We've seen other teams in SEC play around the conference kind of roll over in that situation, mm-hmm. and Auburn doesn't do that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I felt like we were kind of scratching and clawing our way back toward the end, but it just wasn't enough time, and it just, you know, too little too late. Like I said, I think we won the second half maybe. Yeah. But um, just by that point, it didn't matter. What are your thoughts on Todd Golden, the Florida coach and former Auburn assistant? Again, he was a Bruce assistant early on, and then he went to San Francisco and took the NCAA tournament. I think he's an excellent coach. And if Bruce retired tomorrow, I would call that guy. Yep. Like we talked, we had this conversation in this show about you know Bruce per lifetime contract and what happens if he ever decides to retire or whatever. I don't think he's ever going to go anywhere else, but I think he might. You know, one day he's going to not want to do this grind. Mm-hmm. And I Golden is a young guy who is an excellent coach. I don't know if we could even get him away from Florida, but yeah, I, I the, would call him. That's the thing. I'm thinking in the past we'd have no chance. But with this new culture that Bruce has built, um, maybe, you know, because he knows Auburn, he knows that arena, he knows the support he'd get, that and we would probably have to just do a Nick Saban and pile a truck of, a truckload of money up and say, say no. Yeah. And say, you know, you can stay in Florida and be 
and also ran, or you can come to Auburn and we're gonna you're gonna have a full arena every night of people going bananas, wanting you to you know keep it rolling. So, yeah, he would probably be my number one choice right now, just because of his connection to Bruce and his proven ability. And he's young and you know and enthusiastic and all that. And you can see it with that team. That was well coached team. They were yeah. prepared. They played hard. Mm-hmm. You know they they. Guys were knew what they were supposed to do, and it wasn't you know free for all. They they had a plan. So um, that was the second game of the week. But the first game now we got to talk about is a little more fun to talk about. We welcomed, and by welcomed I mean beat their ass, uh, Alabama into our friendly confines of of Neville Arena, and they were camped out days in advance. The uh, the road to Jungle City, as we've called it, and um, the fans, the students wanted, the players wanted that game so bad they were not going to settle for less. And it just shows you how much difference it makes to play at home in SEC basketball versus on the road because Alabama seemed like a completely different team and we seemed like a different team. I I want to talk about this for a second. I, I think Auburn people don't appreciate this. Our home court advantage is so good. Yes. It's so overwhelming. We have such a great atmosphere at home, and it intimidates other team and encourages our players so much that they play great at home that when they play away from home, we're like, wait, why don't they look as good? Yeah. Some of it is the Neville Arena thing. It is. That our home court advantage is so good, and it gives our players so much energy in life, and it really is a drain on the other team that we look better. We're always going to look better at home. Yeah. And some of it is that building and what they have built there. We're still the only team in the SEC that's undefeated undefeated at home. Mm -hmm. We have not lost a game at home, either pre-SEC schedule or during the SEC schedule. Now, we got got some coming up that are going to test that. It's going to be that theory (laughs) going to be tested. Woo. Yeah. We'll get to that in a second. But, um, Broom and Williams, when they're not going up against whatever Florida had out there, um, man, they look dominant in this game. That was all the difference in the world, right? We talked about Florida being really big and having a lot of size. Mm-hmm. Alabama doesn't have that, and they Broom and Williams just carved them up. They, Alabama couldn't stop them. They, <laughs> they couldn't, couldn't do anything them. about it. And no. then it made it easy for everybody else because then they were so worried about them. And I think a particular Alabama – had made a decision we're not going to double team right yeah and he made them pay for that again and again and again well very early in the game alabama's defenders were looking at broom and saying what are you some kind of doomsday machine boy and he was like yes As a matter of fact, I am. Dunk. Lay it in, you know. He had that little move where he'd go left, go right, go left, and then come back around right and just lay it in, and they just had to watch. They just watched. It, and in this game, he had the short-range touch. Like, we've seen some other games this year where that shot has rattled off the rim oh, five yes. times. Oh, yes. God, yes. And in this game, every one of those was going in. They were going in. They sure were, yeah. And his free throws, too, which was very different mm-hmm. from the Florida game, unfortunately. But, yeah, so... Uh, and I feel like some of our players tend to get down on themselves a little bit when things don't go well. Holloway's that way. Broom was a little bit that way against Florida. He got frustrated against Florida, you could tell. Sure. But, man, everything was clicking against Alabama, and it was a sight to behold, and it was beautiful. And, and, and the, um, 
we got to talk about the Sears thing with KD. You mentioned you put it on here, so you talk about it. Go ahead. I, maybe my favorite play, my favorite basketball moment of the entire season was the yeah. end of the first half. Sears has the ball. It's one on one against KD. The <laughs> clock's ticking down. And Sears is clearly going to try and take the last shot and be the hero to get Alabama a little closer. And KD absolutely owned him on defense, and Sears could not even get a shot off. It was right under the goal. Un- he couldn't even get a shot it, up. It was unbelievable, and I was I was literally like standing up, pumping my fist. I was so fired up. That KD was awesome. That, that was a, an amazing moment. Yeah, uh, Sears was bankrupt at that point, I think, pretty much. You know, Sears looked at KD and was saying, I'm about to score on you, and KD said, Wrong! <laughs> and that's that truth. Was, <laughs> he was, Sears was not going to score, not just because KD willed it, but... God wills it! That's right. So, um, yeah, that was incredible. And, and it just... And it, again, the reason Alabama beat us in Tuscaloosa, I thought, was that they played incredibly inspired defense the whole game. Yes. And whatever they did in Tuscaloosa, either they didn't do it in Auburn or it didn't work. Or we That's did something right. and, different or a combination. And, and, then, and there was things they did offensively at Tuscaloosa that didn't work. In Tuscaloosa, they kept getting, you know, Auburn plays man-to-man defense all the time. And so Alabama got them to switch, and they would get – you know, Broom or Cardwell on Sears or one of their other outside guys, and then either drive by him or get away from him and get a clean open three. And they did that again and again in Tuscaloosa and got a lot of open shots by it. And in mm. this game, that didn't work at all. Regardless of who they switched on to, they could not get away and get a shot. Auburn was ready for it and it, and they got Auburn actually got a number of blocks where they tried to get away and try to drive to the basket and they couldn't Broom or Jalen or Cardwell got blocks at the rim. So um, I think that was a big difference. But you're right. The other part was Alabama's defense was so much better at home. Mm -hmm. We turned the ball over a lot at Tuscaloosa, and we eliminated those turnovers. I think we had one turnover in the first half of -hmm. this game, and it made all the difference. Yeah, because against Florida, we were back turning it over again. So it's so – it really is like this this team is heads or tails, and you just – I was going to say you don't know which one you're going to get, but you do. You just say, is it home or away? I, but I think, again, we had the great second half at Oxford away. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think this team can play that way. Mm-hmm. But I think the turnovers are the, the, the thing we should watch for, right? They're the yeah. canary in the coal mine. Yeah. If we're not turning the ball over, we're going to continue to play good defense. We'll be in the game even if the shots aren't falling all the time. But if we're turning the ball over, we're just giving the other team extra possessions. It's going to be a problem. Well, um, coming up, uh, let's see. We've covered pretty much everything there. So Wednesday night. Oh, my goodness. So just two nights from now, because I can't believe this is Monday night already. Uh, Valentine's Day evening in Neville, 730 Central, at least a little earlier than usual by a few minutes, uh, South Carolina. And... When they made this schedule and I first looked at it, I promise you I did not circle or underline or in any way highlight the South Carolina game. But if you haven't been paying attention lately, ladies and gentlemen, the South Carolina game is now possibly the biggest, certainly one of the biggest, possibly the biggest game of the season. Isn't that strange? 
It is crazy. They're really good. Um, they were terrible last year, and so I got to give this coach a lot of credit. Uh, he he came from UT Chattanooga. He was they oh, Sacramento no. hired him away after he had a big run in the NCAA tournament and won a bunch of games. There. That sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. Lebo. And but he's good. This guy's good. And they were bad last oh, okay. year. Well, now wait. We hired <laughs> we hired Lebo from UT Chattanooga after a run in the tournament, and they did too. And John says, "But this guy's good." <laughs> I, I, again, I, I think he's done a really good job turning this team around. They have several really good wins on the schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, they oh. beat Tennessee up there. They had they, Kentucky at 25 points at halftime. Yeah. That was what got yeah. my attention early in the season. Yeah. yeah. And, they, and that and when in Knoxville, you're good, right? So <laughs> I think they don't have they didn't have a great non-conference schedule and wins and stuff, but I think they've lost at Clemson in a real close game. Um, but they're they're good. They play a slow down style mm-hmm. of basketball. They use the entire shot clock. And they will hold it and wait until they get the perfect shot at the end of the shot clock and try to and and then shoot. They're not going to run up and down the court with us. They're they're going to try and not turn the ball over and just take their time and be very deliberate. And they want to have a lower scoring game where they're very efficient on their possessions and they kind of wear the defense out by using the whole shot clock and moving the ball around and making you kind of chase them around the half court. And then they get a shot right before the buzzer. That sounds a lot like uh, the way that Sonny coached early on before he mm-hmm. got some of the players that he got. He would do that. He was very much it, into find the right shot, pass the ball, don't take a bad shot. That was really his offensive philosophy. That's it. And they have they have a few really good players. They have a freshman that's come on in the last few games. A guy, uh, a true freshman, he scored 31 the last time they played. So uh, he's a pretty good player. They're not as big as Florida, but they are a, like a physical team and a good rebounding team. So we're really going to have to watch that. That's going to be a big thing. If there are fewer possessions, we don't want to turn it over, and then it's going to be a real war to get the rebounds, and that may be a deciding factor in the game, like mm-hmm. who can get some rebounds and, and make something out of them. What do you think, will the jalen Janai connection work better against them than it did against Florida? It will. They're not as tall as Florida, so I think it will. Um, and I think, you know, when you're playing a team that plays like this, we, you know, our depth is going to help because they try to wear you out by making you chase them around for 40 seconds, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think having, you know, Jalen and Dylan Cardwell will help because I think we can stop them from getting good baskets at the rim. We got that we can prevent them from doing that. Um, I think on the other side, you know, we can't rush and take a shot three seconds after we cross half court because then we're going to go back and, you know, they're going to hold it for 40 seconds again. So I think we have to, you know, they want to make it a game about offensive efficiency. And so we can't be careless on our end with the ball. That's what I'm saying. All right. Well, that's South Carolina. And then Saturday, uh, we have another home game um kentucky and again i would have never dreamed i'd be more concerned about playing south carolina than kentucky but uh there it is i mean kentucky has not done as well as south carolina this season so far they've struggled a good bit 
This is a 5 o'clock in the afternoon game on Saturday. ESPN game day will be there. This is always a huge one in Neville. Um, Calipari's feeling the hot seat. What do we know about this Kentucky team? They have Kentucky talent, and they can score, but they are the worst Kentucky defensive team that we've seen in a long time. They are bad on defense. I like it. Sounds good to me. Um, they've so kind of like Alabama? Hmm? Kind of like Alabama? More oh, offense I, than I, defense? I don't think they're as good on offense or defense as Alabama. Wow. Okay. All right. Bring it on, Kentucky. Let's go. I mean, I, I think they're they're a good offensive team. I think Alabama, again, I think is one of the better – Alabama is one of the three or four best offensive teams in the country, mm-hmm. uh, and they're 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 okay on defense. Uh, Kentucky is just bad on defense. I like it. So I All think right. we're going to score. You know, the big thing is, can we play good defense and hold them down on our end? You well, know, that's something we can do is play good defense. So I, I agree. I, so I think that's the way this matchup favors us. Is I think mm-hmm. uh, we're going to be able to get good shots against them. We're going to be able to make things happen. So we just can't give them easy points. Well, what do you think about playing them just three days after the South Carolina game? Would it be better the other way around? Not that we can control that, but I mean, I guess. No, this is I mean, I, listen. I'm just thankful we're playing them at home. I, I, yeah. I view playing at Rupp a lot like playing in Gainesville. Yeah. Um, and even though they've, they've they've lost three games in a row at home for the first time ever. Wow. Ever with an E. Wow. Uh, and that and Kalapari is absolutely feeling the heat. Um, this is going to be a big game. College game day is coming. Um, mm. So I think I. I mean, I agree. I think we can beat Kentucky. I think we. I think. You know, I think offensively we're going to have a day against them. I think they can't stop us. I think inside or outside. I think we can create turnovers against them. And I. And I think. But they also have. They have some guys that are just. You know. Kentucky recruits who are going to go off and they're going to do some amazing things and you're going to be like, well, we can't guard that guy for two or three minutes while he goes and does mm-hmm. this thing and then he'll come back to earth and then the game will come back to where it should be. But that's going to happen sometimes with the kind of players they have. Um, so I I feel good and I think our depth is another one there where I think they don't have quite the depth that we do and I think <laughs> we're going to be able to wear them down, especially their big guys and get them running up and down the court and wear them out. I just never thought I'd see the day that we would say, you know, Kentucky just doesn't have the depth that Auburn does in basketball. <laughs> but here we are, John. I, I, I'm not. I'm not making light of it. They're good, and I think in some ways, in some of the like in some of the advanced stat things, they're ranked higher than South Carolina. Okay. Yeah. Legitimately, um, but I think they are, you know, going through a tough patch, and I think. You know, we got them at home, and we talked about that earlier in this part in this podcast. I think it's a gigantic advantage to get these teams in Neville Arena, and like you said, the fans are going to be really up for this. So, all right, so a very, very big basketball week coming up. A game on Wednesday that doesn't maybe have the star power, but maybe the tougher contest, and mm-hmm. then the game on Saturday that has the, the flash and the bling, but maybe not quite the same level of challenge, but still two very tough games, and we're going to need to be at our best in both of them. So, um, On to football news briefly. There's a little bit. Yeah. So we've, we've, we've got a full 
coaching staff again. We just when we thought it was safe to go back in the coach in the in the football facility, into the uh, water. Yeah, there went uh, you know there went our defensive line coach, but who apparently he must have been good because the NFL wanted him. But um, we you know you and I talked last week about who should we what should we do, and it, it felt to me like we kind of our consensus we weren't a hundred percent, but our consensus was like. You know, promote the guy below him up because he seems, you know, part of the culture and everything. And that's what they did. They listened to us. They did. They clearly are listeners. Um, yeah. So we, we'll we'll take credit for full credit for that. But for I sure. think it was a, an obvious kind of move, and, and it makes a lot of sense. Vontrell King Williams is the new defensive line coach. He was the an analyst and the and the assistant defensive line coach, but was clearly involved in a lot of the recruiting over the last year, and you know had been around with this staff at, at Liberty had been a defensive line coach before that. I think it would, you know, he had some experience, but also he's connect, he's connected to the players on the current roster and to the recruits Auburn's trying to bring in. And if you brought in somebody else, you'd have to start over with those relationships. So yeah, exactly. So I, I have another thought about this, about the hiring both he and Kent Austin and, and why that matters. I think mm-hmm. it's a good thing from a, like a human standpoint. Okay. When you have vacancies, this is like a football, and but also beyond football in general. When you have vacancies and you hire from within, you give people who worked really hard at a lower level an opportunity to move up and advance themselves. You give everybody else in the organization hope, right? Because yeah. number one, you created a, an opportunity under this guy and some other analyst is going to move into that role. But mm-hmm. all the analysts in the building now think, hey, that could be me. I could do a great job. I could be an on-the-field coach one day for this team. The pathway is there. If you only hire external people, the message to people in the building is you're not ever going to get a job this way here. That's but true. doing by hiring Austin and King Williams, I think Auburn has said this is possible, and I think it, it – it's a good thing from kind of a management standpoint. I think it gives the the rest of the people in the building some uh, extra energy. That's my view of it. Yeah, that's really good. I hadn't thought of it that way, but it does make sense for sure. Yeah. So, so he came from uh, he was a he was an, a grad assistant at Liberty. Um, so he knew them already. Uh, had coached at Eastern Michigan. Um, hopefully, has the same you know recruiting connections that. That uh, what's his name? The previous coach, I forgot his name already. That tells you how. But they, you're right. And I, I, somebody on a podcast in the last week said he was as the the only person who was uh, more connected with recruits that wasn't an on field coach was Trevon Reed. Like mm. after Trevon Reed, this guy was the next most connected per analyst with all the recruits that came into Auburn. Wow. Okay. Well, that's good. Sounds good. Sounds yes. Good. All right. So hopefully we can keep the staff together. I want to. Um, I want to touch on when we get to around the SEC, the Alabama situation. So, oh yeah, I got we, it on there. Yeah, so we <laughs> will. I just want the re, I, the listeners to know we are going to. Speaking of which, speaking of assistants coming and going and the controversy around that, we got to talk a little bit about Alabama. So we got to talk about the elephant in the room. So we'll get to the we'll get to the big big rat like elephant in the room in just a little bit. Um, I've already given you your book update, which is uh, come see us March eighth and 9th. Friday and Saturday, Birmingham on Friday, and then Auburn on Saturday. Little Professor and at Auburn Oil. 
Um, we'll be posting more, sending out stuff, uh, everything we possibly can. I'm, I'm planning on carpet bombing the, the Auburn sports Facebook groups and Twitter and everything as soon as I can. Um, let's see what else is going on. Oh, well, I guess we got to thank the patrons. Um, this program doesn't have ads other than me talking about stuff we're going to do that we want you to be participating in. That kind of counts, I guess, but that's it. That's it. And uh, that's because we depend entirely on our listeners. So go to www.auwishbone.com, www.auwishbone.com. Click on the big orange button. It's not a... It's a trap. No, it's not a trap. It's not a trap at all. Um, and uh, you can uh, go to Patreon. It'll take you to Patreon. Or you can just go to Patreon and look for the uh, AU Wishbone and... Um, Sign up and uh, support the show, and we thank everybody who's done it. And here, and you can put whatever you like in your name, and that's what I read, and we have sound effects requests and all that. And here we go. We have to thank Samuel Salvatore, who points out that tonight's nice forecast, a freeze is coming. With, with pearl white snow. I love it. I love it. Uh, we also have Carl Von Drunker, Chris and Clinton Stewart, Dr. Crackham. Logan Chilton, when he found out that Rule Britannia was gone from the soundboard, he said, No! No! No, I'm devastated! I'm devastated and they're celebrating right in front of me! This is the worst! This is the worst! No! And, you know, I'd like to say that was my reaction when Florida made that first three-pointer against us, but, um... Inside, that's what my soul was saying. On the outside, I was just like, "Yep, yep." <laughs> but inside, that's what I was. That's what I. There was a little tiny me in the little box in there, and he was saying that right there. <sighs> uh, Ann Pridgen, Bill Weathers, Bradley Blackman, David W. D. E. Salmons, Esquire, and 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 again, by the way, John, you know, I always say that Louis Grizzard had that great bit of wisdom we repeat on this show quite often, which is that. Losing hurts worse than winning feels good. And so I just make this constant effort to enjoy the wins more than I hate the losses. And that's why I'd rather celebrate the Alabama game than, than miserate over the Florida game. Amen. And I, the rest of our fan base needs to keep remembering that during basketball season. Yeah, we do kind of have a tendency to melt down sometimes and pull the, pull the, hit, the, hit, the, hit, the um, hit the button, what's the panic button. That's what I'm looking for. Hit the eject button. Yes. Sometimes John forgets it's an audio-only show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the listeners saw me nod. They were sensing it. Yes, they were. Uh, Earl Ricks, Eric Morgan, Gary Grant, a.k.a. AU fan at KSC, and 2023 AU Wishbone NCAA Bracket Challenge Champion. All right, Gary, that's the way to go. That's the way to do it right there. You gotta, when you got Boris running around talking about his victory two years ago, you got to stand up and say and beat that chest a little bit. So good for you, man. Uh, if Carol Shelby would have seen Lane Kiffin on Saturday, he would have said. I don't speak Italian, but he ain't happy. Yeah, that was after the uh, the Ole Miss. That was really good after the Ole Miss uh, game when we they, when. Kiffin thought they were going to beat us, and then we beat their butts. Matt Flowers, Michael Kirshner, Phil Amthor. I'm going to give you an abbreviated. No! No! No, I'm devastated! I'm devastated, and they're celebrating right in front of me! I love it. I love it. Richard Stevens, starting July 12th, when Carol has a message for all the gamers on NCAA football 
24. I am the only daddy you got. I am the damn paterfamilias. I love it. That's a good movie. Steve Trawick, Susan Trawick, Trombone Tiger, Willie Carden, Alex Browns, Auburn Football's Elvis, Ben Bloodworth, Bleeds Orange and Blue, Bob W.D. Salmon's Esquire, a.k.a. 76 Tigers, Sleazy Shyster, Four, Jones Barbecue and Foot Massage, Chad McDowell, Chris Hilton, Chris Thrash, Daniel Odom, Bobby, Guys, I'm Worried, HR Wants Me to Sign Up for a 401k, There's No Way I Can Run That Far. <laughs> yes, that's a good one. <laughs> We've kind of we haven't had as many dad jokes in the in the in the in the roll call lately. I they uh, he's been very reliable, but we need to get more of the more jokes in there. So bring it, yeah. bring it on, bring it on. Harry Zagger, H Town Danny, in Hume, in home. That's not easy to say. David Hume, no, in home Hugh. Jacob and Robin Fleming, John Ringer for president. Man, I there, you got support. You got the support there. <laughs> John says, uh, well, I'm not a cook. <laughs> There it is. Kevin, uh, Catherine England, Kevin Smith, Lane Middleton, Mickey B. Um, good old. I'm afraid that my condition has left me cold to your pleas of mercy. Fights like Gaston. Not me sitting here getting my hopes up. That was me against Florida. I'll go Rhythm and Blues. Paul Miles. Rhodesian Mudflap. The Rhodesian Mudflap saga continues. I'm makes me thirsty every time I see it. Rich Reimer. Rusty Owens. Steve Harlan. Theodore Gary. Todd Robinson. Wade Ward. Walker White. QB1. Tonight's forecast. A freeze is coming. WDE Richie Walker White for QB1. Okay, so we have two in a row there talking about Walker White. That's pretty cool. I need to get something from uh, Game of Thrones about the White Walker. That would be a good... uh, And flip it around or something. That'd be nice. Yeah, John's rubbing his chin. Mm. I'm thinking about it. Yeah, think about it. Wes Atkinson, William Morgan, Winston Body, Auburn Blue, Blake Heron, Boris the Tiger. Boris is actually upstairs right now. He did not come down for the show tonight. Brandon Smith, Charles Mooney, Corey Smyer, David D., David Simpson, First Sleaze, and now Durkin. Just hire Bryles as OC and be done with it. It's, it's one perspective for sure. Josh Teal, Kevin Mahan, Luther and Kelly Ottaway, Mandy Thompson, Melissa Blackstone, Papa Todd, Patrick Williams says... Whether you like it or not, learn to love it because it's the best thing going today. Woo! It's so good. Philip Martin... I, I, there's a there's a the one that I remember him saying back in the day was uh, you may not like it but you got to respect it because it's the best thing going today woo but I couldn't find that one I looked all over YouTube I found about five different variations but none of them were that one maybe you imagined that one ah maybe so it could be could be I never liked Ric Flair back in the day but he's kind of like Steve Spurrier you look back now and it's pretty entertaining you know and you like him but back then I thought he was a jerk uh, Philip Martin. Randall Walker, Rob Morgan, Russell Milling. I was always a big uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper, especially after he did uh, the, the They Live, where he saw the aliens, you know, with his glasses. That was the kind of a Mr. Wrestling number one. Ah, oh, I like it. There you go. I liked uh, Stone... Well, no, 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 not him. Uh, not Steve Austin, but um, uh, Austin Idol. Yeah, Austin Idol that was in Birmingham for a while and everything. I always liked him, but... Um, 
Um, never liked Ric Flair. I was trying to think. There was somebody else that came to mind. Oh, well. Um, but Oh, but Roddy Piper was awesome. He was kind of a jerk, but he was a very entertaining jerk. Loved him with that Scottish accent and his kilt and his bagpipes and just to beat your head in. He was always fun. Yeah, you know, you grow up in Alabama. Even if you're not a big wrestling guy, you still see it all the time. So you, you know. Pick up some by osmosis. Exactly. You can't help it. My granddad had it on all the time. So, all right. I said Sarah Hines, Sasquatch, Shane Bailey, Shannon Butson, Stephen Houston, Tim Pittman, Timothy, Tony Perry, Weagle87, Woody the Jag, at the Mad Reaper Pepper Company on Instagram. I haven't put Mad Reaper Pepper Company Pepper on anything lately. I got to get it out. A few more patrons left. Alex Wynn, AU Falling Up, Barls, Charkley, Ben Amos, Ben Regis, Chris Como, Chris Braun, Clay Henson, and finally, Construction Tiger, Daniel Barnett, Darren Pyle, Elizabeth Donald. We, uh... We gotta get better at celebrating. I am Tiger, Evil HR Director for... Joe's Barbecue and Foot Massage! Again, we have their entire administration on the uh, in our in our Patreon. Patreon, It's crazy. We should get some kind of discount, then. We ought to, man. I could use... I don't know about the foot massage. It wouldn't be bad, but I could use some good barbecue right now. Although, of course, that's coming up in a few months, not too long from now. Uh, I'll buy this for a dollar. James Taylor, Jim McCrory, John Atsuki, Joey Miller, JT Jarhead, Justin Bean, Kenneth Brent Rains reminds us, as always, that the barbecue... You have failed me for the last time. A.K.A. Auburn Dad for life. And we were just talking about the barbecue. Mark Squire, MVP, captivating Kathy Bright. Your love of the halfling's leaf has clearly slowed your mind. I love that you can hear the birds squawking in the background now in that clip. New York Tiger loves beating Bama. Amen to that. Paul Banks and Rich Hammett, Royce Alvarez, Russell Souther, Ruth, and Darren Sutherland. Two, two Sutherlands for the price of one. Spanky, I am at the bottom of this list because... Rock Wilson! Back for while you can, the monkey boy. Sports Illustrated's Auburn Elvis. That's our other Auburn Elvis. We have two. Stephen Thompson. We're, how, how big is this show? We have two Auburn Elvises in our Patreon. Elvi. Elvi. Yes, that is right. Um, would that be a dreamland of Elvi? A Memphis of Elvi? What do you call that? A 3,000 miles to Graceland of Elvi? A Vegas of Elvi? Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, wow. I don't know. We'll have to see what the what the people what the listeners think. What's what is a multiple of Elvi a collective called? I think it's Elvis Elvi. I think that's Latin yeah. singular plural. Elvis Elvi. I think Henry V mentioned that in the Agincourt speech. We sh- verily we verily we shall defeat the French and then go and see Elvis and the Elvi at Caesar's palace on the morrow. Good good brothers and and friends. I'm pretty sure that's how it. I goes. think that's what he said. I think it was. The Slinka family. I think it's Steve Bailey and Stephen Thompson. I think so. Uh, Tim Sauls, Trevor Johnson. Will you guys write a last time ever book about winning in Gainesville in basketball? <laughs> the, the basketball team's writing that book. Oh, I, listen, that would be fascinating book yeah. about the 1996 team, Cliff Ellis. Oh, wow. Who knew? Who could have dreamed? I, I tell you what. We're going to be signing the basketball book in Auburn in March. I'm going to do a little research about that game and that team. We'll have a few facts to pull out at the book signings. You know, if I had realized it at the time, I would have said something in the book about that. I may have, actually. 
I, I don't I don't remember for sure. I don't think that you and I did in our commentary in it, but I but in like the statistical stuff because I know the '96 team has a couple of pages in there. Mm-hmm. But I just don't remember. I don't remember either one of us saying anything about that game, and I don't remember like digging up any statistics when I was searching around. So I, it's probably like it. It may even not even be mentioned that we beat Florida. I have to go look at it. It's, the book's right over here on the floor. I'm gonna go grab a copy in just a minute. All right. Plus Brant Rumble and our one-time anonymous donors. www.auwishbone.com. And now. We've got to go to, we do not have a worst coaches in the world this week, but we do have. Hello, Van, John, and the rest of the AU Wishbone family. This is Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist with Guess the Game number 113. I apologize for missing last week. I was, hang on, let me check my notes. (laughs) Forgetful. All right, so let's get right into it. As far as I know, I am all caught up on Guess the Game send-ins. I know there was that big uh, period of time, basically football season, where I wasn't on the show uh, for legal reasons that have now been fixed, thanks to our (laughs) lawyers. And some of you may have sent some stuff in there that I might have missed. I think I've caught up on everything, but if I missed you, it is not intentional. Just reach out to me once again and give me a reminder if I owe a guess the game to somebody out there. But anyway, let's go ahead and get to guess the game 113, which I handpicked myself. And I'm going to start it off by giving you guys a little bit of a clue. I decided I was going to pick a game from my freshman year. I'm not going to tell you when that was, but my freshman year, this is a game I picked. Let's give it a listen. That's where it's first and goal for Auburn. will go out and will come in. In the eye backfield now for the Tigers, who are up by three with three seconds left in the quarter. Faking the pitches, and he's got a man wide open, touchdown. And a touchdown catch. Okay, guys, I will see you in the hint file. Ah, oh, man. All right. So the announcer was. Uh, it sounded like a night ESPN2 game, didn't it? Yeah, or like the Jefferson Pilot time. Yeah. Yeah, it was It was not like a 2.30 CBS game. It was no, a, no, and it wasn't a big announcer. Um, no, no. I don't know who it was. It was, a, it was the end of a quarter. Auburn went into the I formation. Mm-hmm. So that, I think that tells us something because that we're talking about Tuberville, I think, in you know, or late die. So well, I was gonna say now Jared told us up front it was his was freshman his, year. His freshman year, and I'm I think Jared graduated in '98. I think he was there in the late '90s. So '94. Yeah. So it's a Terry Bowden. Team, I think. Okay, so a Bowden. I, I thought about Bowden with the I formation too. Um, yeah, yeah. So a '94 lot of I formation, right? Oh yeah, yeah. '94, um, you had um, Patrick Nix as a junior at the quarterback, mm-hmm. with a little bit of Damian Craig occasionally mixed in, and Frank so Sanders a, catching passes. A home game where you're up three, and then we did like a kind of like a play action pass and threw a touchdown. Yeah. Home game? Is that what we said? That what we decided? Is that what you said? I'm not positive. I maybe. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I got definite home vibes there. <sighs> See, here's the thing. In 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 '94, 
there's Alabama, there's Florida. Those were the two huge. And then there's the, there's the uh, and we, again, we don't even know if it's that year. I, I think that would be right. Let's, let's it's, assume it's 94. Keep going. All right. So there's the LSU interception game. There's the huge win at Florida. And um, we know it's not the interception game because that was a good offensive play. Yes. <laughs> well done. Yes. See, and this is the, this is what I'm getting at, though. Back then, if it's like an Ole Miss game or something, I, you know, Kentucky or something, I don't know. I have no hope. All right. Well, let's let's go to the hit file because that, right. that's going to that may help us. But maybe we'll get an opposing player or something. Yeah, I, I know. That's the thing with me is I the the, the, the I have a real problem with like remembering just the random games from like 10, 20 years ago. So here's Here we the- are in the hit file. Let me get rid of the bleeps and give it another listen. That's where it's first and goal for Auburn. Davis will go out and Morrow will come in. Okay, Harold Morrow at fullback. Stephen Davis out. Morrow and Beasley in the eye backfield now for the Tigers. who are up by three with three seconds left in the quarter. Faking the pitch is Craig and he's got a man wide open. Touchdown. Jesse McCovery on a touchdown catch. Tight end. All right. All right, guys. I will see you in the answer file. All right. So All right. Damian Craig. We got the nothing f- about the opponents, but we got Damian Craig, Fred Beasley, Harold Morrow, Harold Jesse Morrow, McCovery, and Jesse McCovey. And Stephen Davis went out. Yeah. So that could be ninety-four or ninety-five. See, that's the thing too. When he's when it's Damian Craig. It could be 94, 95, 96, or 97, honestly, because he played some in 94, 95, and then he played complete, you know, exclusively in 96, 97. So let's say 94. Beasley was a big, big fullback yeah. on the 94 team. Uh huh. Because I think he was, I think he and Morrow were gone after that. Did that sound like a home game? It didn't really to me. So, but did Craig come in as a change of pace or only when we were up big? Or like goal line, red zone. Okay, okay, but like I don't Sometimes. remember him much in the Florida game. No, no, not at all. I think Nick's went the whole way because okay. we all never right. got down on the goal line. All those touchdowns against Florida were like long passes yeah. and stuff and runs. So, and I thought in '94 Georgia we tied, right? Yes, that's right. That and, was a tie game. And then we lost Alabama, right? Yes, I was at that game. So it's not either one way. of those. And we don't think it's the we don't think it's the LSU game. Yeah. See, that's the thing that that either leaves Florida or a game that I have no memory of, really, because I don't really remember much about. Do we didn't play any uh, non-conference game to start the year that year? Ninety-four. I don't think we started the game with a non-conference. The season with a non-conference game. I can't remember who our non-conference. We were still on probation. We played eleven games. Uh, but we were on TV, but no postseason. So, um, God. all right. I in okay in nine. Do, who were the who were the? I'm gonna. We're just gonna throw some. In. I'm gonna say Arkansas. Yeah, I'm thinking in '94 against Arkansas. Was that the game? They, that, they were good. That was the year they were good. Well, '95 they went to the SEC championship game. '94 yeah. they were good. 94 may be the year that Stephen Davis ran all over him in like the third quarter for like three touchdowns, and that's how he won. They couldn't stop Stephen Davis. Um, okay, so Ar- so to me, this feels like an Arkansas, Kentucky, Ole Miss type of game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Vanderbilt, yeah. something like that. Pick what? Which one do you want to go with? We'll just pick one and go. 
I'm done. I'm just going to Arkansas. Let's go to Arkansas. Okay, Van, John, my freshman year at Auburn University was 1995. This is Auburn beating Georgia in 1995. I hope you guys got it. And if you would like to be like, well, me, and send in a play for Guess the Game, it's pretty easy. You can reach out to me on X or Facebook or Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. And send me a suggestion. Or you can email me at Jared, that's J-A-R-R-O-D, at theyardsaleartist.com. Until next time, Van, John, Lori. So basically, Jared was just sitting there through that whole thing going, y'all are idiots, that's not my freshman year, I wasn't there yet. Well, but also, like, I... I genuinely thought all those players, were, some of those players, were gone before '95. Yeah, I Fred Beasley, I thought was not on the team in '95. I thought '94 was his senior year, so clearly I was wrong. But yeah, I agree. Um, plus, Nix was a senior that year, so I'm surprised that Craig, huh, was playing that much. Because um, it felt like Craig came in more in '94, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, yeah, okay. Well, so that was that, that was a good one. That 95 Georgia, that, okay, that was that freezing cold game. That, 90, that, that 95 was in Athens, so it was a road game. Mm-hmm. It was in Athens, and it's the game where it was so, it's the coldest football game I've ever been to in terms of how I felt, how cold it was. Um, and I think it was the one where they said it was going to rain but not be cold, and so I wore like a rain jacket, and it was never rained, but it was utterly bitter ice cold. And it's the game where Georgia – it was the last Georgia home game, and they were going to have the Olympics the next year. So that's the game when everybody was ripping out the hedges because they redid the stadium, the field and everything Mm. for the Olympics, and they tore all the hedges out and then regrew them. So I remember people walking by holding clumps of hedges. I didn't get one. I didn't give a crap, but they were all doing that. So – yeah, I, that's a very I got memorable a big game. Chunk of hedges in 1987. I could say that. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're well past of limitations where they can come after. Absolutely. Them. All right. Well, that was a good one, Jared. We appreciate that. Uh, let's see. And now, thank you. Order questions to the prime minister. It's time for listener questions. Start dun, dun, dun. on the AU Wishbone podcast. What do we got going on? All right, the listeners came through this week. We got a few questions. First up is Logan Shulton, who the title of his email is "What Happened," and he says, "Gentlemen, my brain." This is written after the uh, Alabama game. He says, "My brain turned off after the no look alley oop from Janai to Jalen. Could you update me as to what happened after that? I do wish Bruce kept the starters in so we could have hung a hundred points on those jokers." I really hate Alabama, and I love beating them. Yes. War damn eagle, Logan Chilton. Amen, Logan. Well put. Well said. I I agree, but I kind of wish that the walk-ons had scored the 100th point. I think that would have been. Well, dude, missed the free throw. That was the thing. <laughs> if he hadn't missed the dang free throw. Get out there <laughs> practice walk-ons. Let's go. Come on. Yes. This should have made him run stadium or something for that, for missing that. By the way, I want to just note that I've. After sitting here trying to figure out how to go grab a basketball book um, while we're on the air, I just realized it's on this computer. So, <laughs> so I've, I have opened the file, and I'm currently in the background uh, scanning through to get to 1996 to see if we said anything about Florida. All right. I'm, I'm not there yet. I'll, I'll let you know when I find anything or if not. All right. Next email is from uh, frequent emailer Bill Miner, who says who, f- the title is Favorite Unsung Auburn Basketball Hero. 
He says, hello, guys. I was thinking about some of the best players we've seen pass through Auburn over the years, like Barkley, uh, Bryce Brown, etc. But I've always had a soft spot for the grinders or the ones who were key contributors. The two I always loved were Frank Tolbert, who notably had six fingers on each hand <laughs> and always hustled and was fun to watch on some sub-bar teams. And Anthony McLemore, who tragically was injured before the tournament in 18, but was a big part of the Final Four run in 19. Who are some of your favorites? All right, hold on. Time out for a second. I've gotten to the 95-96 season. Guess who the point guard was on the last Auburn team to beat Florida in Florida? Doc Rivers? I don't know. Who was that? Wesley Flanagan. Okay. Wow. Yeah, how about that? So he wasn't even a coach anymore this year, and he was the point guard on the team. Um, We had just lost Moochie Norris and Chris Davis because of junior college credits that season. And um, they won a couple of tournaments. Uh, let's see. They hold on. I'm. I'm. I'm oops. <sighs> I know the wheels are coming off. This doesn't make for great radio or whatever. But um, I'm just. I'm looking to see if. Yeah, they won a couple of. They had Lance Weems three pointers. Like uh, uh, let's see. They ended up 19 and 13 overall, six and 10 in the SEC had the five seed in the West in the SEC Tournament New Orleans. So I did not mention them winning at Florida in the, in the little statistical thing that I do for the, did for the, the chapters. So I'm really sorry. I wish I had known. If, believe me, if John and I had realized that that was a significant thing, we would have included something about it. But it just it was completely under my radar. So, oh, well. All right, so now you know. Don't go run into your books to find out all the details because I didn't even think to mention it. Um, all right, so what was his question about the about the players? His players? question was about who are your favorite unsung heroes, Robert Basketball, the grinders, mm-hmm. the players that didn't put up, you know, the, they weren't the All-Americans, but they mm-hmm. did the dirty work, but also they were just kind of your favorite glue guys on, on fun teams and that kind of well, stuff. Well, we got to mention John Kaler. I, see, one of the guys that came first to my mind, yeah. he was a he was a glue guy and a, but who had to become a star at one moment and then went back to and beat Kentucky. Guy. Yeah, that's right. Hit that three to beat Kentucky and then translated into into Tennessees for the players for for Sonny because he could speak whatever it is that Sonny speaks. Um, I there were so many on the Final Four team those those forward guys like Horace Spencer. You know the um, who yeah, was the Spencer? He said Macklemore. Yeah. Email. Oh, Macklemore. Absolutely. Yeah. Those guys. There was the one other one, Malik Dunbar. Uh huh. Oh man, those guys were great. You couldn't have done it without them. Um, and now, and Bru- and we've talked about this before. Bruce always has a handful of those guys on every team, right? I mean, this year's guys like that are the new guys, and uh, um, and Chris Moore. You know, that's that's who they are. They're those. They just. They're the warriors that go out there and don't score twenty or thirty, but they, they do the dirty work. Um, All right, I'm gonna throw a couple other at you. Yeah. Um, he transferred after a couple of years, but Pat Burke. Oh yeah, Burke. Like Hands him. of Stone Burke. <laughs> wow. Cavortney Barber. Yeah, I remember um, him. Cavort. This will kill you. Cavortney Barber is the all-time leader at Auburn in defensive rebounding. Wow. Relative ones. Wow. Uh, I never would have dreamed it. 
Um, guys like Reggie, Zane Arnold. Oh, Reggie Gallon was Gallen. good. Zane Arnold, all the guys back in the in the uh, Tommy Joe Eagles era. Yeah, uh, Gallon was a was our point guard when uh, what's his name was the was the shooting guard. Battle Ronnie Ronnie Battle. Those guys were great, mm-hmm. and they had Wesley Person. Those were those were the superstars. It was the other guys on that team that were toiling away in obscurity. Matt Geiger before he transferred to Georgia Tech and became good. Um. Bryant Smith. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess he was more of the star at the time. At that, on that team, yeah, on those teams, yeah. Crap, I could just flip through this book I just closed out, <laughs> and I could tell you some more. But no, those are good. Yeah, I think those are, those are good. I, you know, we talk about those older teams, um, and and you know, Frank Ford, I think, is a guy who. Was, oh yeah. The glue of those teams, they had a bunch of all American. They had Chris Morris and those kind of high flyers on them, but Frank Ford was the man. Oh, you asked Sonny. We, yeah, we did, and he said, yeah. yeah, Frank Ford for sure. He was a great player. But I White, love the guys, player. again, I who'd set screens, rebound, play defense, not expect to get the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, and, and that's Chris Moore this year. That's right. That's right. All right. Um, <laughs> all right, next email is uh, – um, same from Samuel Salvatore, and he sent this, I believe, Sam. right uh, during the Florida game. And he says, "Hello, guys of War Eagle." Says, "When has the team had a week off in the middle of conference play with no games? Amen. I've never seen that, and the conference should not allow this." No, amen to that. We yeah, we we I, touched on that at the beginning. He's absolutely right. Except we get ours after Kentucky. We get a week off. So, prepare well, who yourself. do we who do we have after that though? Is that the stretch run with the three dwarves? So we we after Kentucky. We don't play anybody the following Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday. We don't play again until the next Saturday right. where we go to Athens to play Georgia. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then the Wednesday after that, it's at Knoxville. Oh, gosh, Lord. Yes. Okay. Come home from that Saturday, Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. Then we go to Missouri. They're terrible. Yeah, they are. Morning. Don't want to lose that game. Come home. God, I want to drive over there Saturday, so March 9th. Georgia, that's that's the one we're going. You to be and at. I will be there, and Van, I want to let I want you to prepare yourself now for this. Yep. You and I will be there for Senior Day for guys like Jalen Williams. Oh wow! Oh wow! That's going to be big. Big time. I, I, John, I'm a little over two hours away from Columbia. We always play them on like a Tuesday or Wednesday night. I have to go to work the next day, eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah, it's two. It's Tuesday. 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, so I drive over there. I, I, I drive. The game is over like 10.30. Get home about 1 a.m., and I got to go to class 8 o'clock the next morning. There's just no way. It just sucks. I'd love to go. That was We were talking about the other day. That's the last thing that we did in 2020, my family on the road, before COVID hit, was went to that Auburn-Missouri game, and we lost, which really sucked. So All right. Um, our next uh, email is from Josh Corbett, who created a Auburn roster tracker document and shared it with us. So we're going we're gonna to use that as a reference kind of going forward to talk about the football roster. Okay. I and did it, see he tweeted something to us about he had created something, and I was looking forward uh, to it. He made a little it. grid with the roster by year, by position. It's really good. We're going to use it because um, I wanted to do some kind of roster recap after – Recruiting, but also the transfer portal, players coming and going. I think it, a lot of people's minds is like, who the heck is on the football team to what positions? Yeah. So we're gonna take a 
a little bit over the next few weeks, just kind of regroup on those things. And this will be a, a very useful tool for that. But in addition to that, he sent in a question for this week. And his question is, after losing on the road at Florida again, where is Auburn likely to win first to break a long streak? Hmm. Your options are A, at Georgia in football, <laughs> B, at Florida in basketball, oh. C, at Alabama in football. I think we're likely to win at Alabama in football before either of the other two, honestly. I like that answer. Yeah, I do. I think so. All right. I, I mean, the the real the realistic answer is at Florida in basketball because, my gosh, it's not that they've just been better than us every time. It's that it's just a weird, fluky thing. But it doesn't seem like it's in any hurry to end, so I'm not going to pick it. <laughs> well, and we don't get to play them every year, every time. So. Right. That's right. All right. Um, and uh, two more. The next one is uh, from Rusty Owens. He says, guys, I don't know if you heard the announcement last week, but ESPN, among others, is launching a new sports-based streaming service for the fall of 2024. He says, I've already cut the cord most of the year, but I'm thinking about this. I was wondering, since they haven't announced a price per month yet, if there's a point where you would consider either dropping your current sports option or changing things around. Have you heard about this? No, no, no. Tell me. It's ESPN and Fox and three or four other big sports things are going to have one basically like streaming service that's all live sports this fall that will include you could get it and watch almost all college football for example okay and not have to have another mm. service okay so the question is you know if you're a person that only watches sports mm-hmm. you know should you do this and not do your other things right you know, that's most of what I watch in terms of live shows. I don't think I ever watch yes. anything ABC, NBC, CBS. It's not sports anymore. Um, but we watch so many other things on other services that I don't know that it would be Well, but like, you, like I have Hulu Live, and I watch where I watch my live sports okay. on, right? So the question is, I have to evaluate when this thing comes out and they announce the price point is, mm-hmm. would I give up Hulu live and just do this new sports thing to save money. Because like you, there's, I'm very rarely watching anything else Mm -hmm. on that. Yeah. We have YouTube TV for that kind of stuff. So we, you know, use it for a good bit of things like that. But again, like I say, it's always all sports plus like formula one and everything on there too. So yeah. But if you could get formula one on this, like if that was part of the deal. Yeah. I mean, but would I, I wouldn't then I wouldn't have any access to, to other channels if I did want to watch the news or like CNN or something, right? So, so yeah, I probably every now and then I want to be able to see other things besides sports, just not all the time. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> okay, last question. This is from uh, Jim McCrory who says, Van and John, first of all, I'm glad Auburn has a strong NIL program. My question is, how long do you think donors will continue to give large sums of money to the NIL to their favorite team if the team continues to underperform expectations? It's not Mm. like they're getting a tax deduction Mm. or financial return on their investment. I wondered when I saw Georgia quarterback buy a $270,000 Lamborghini SUV. In the future, how do you think contributors will think about what their hard-earned money is being donated to and how it's being used by the athletes? Helping the program and athletes is one thing that I think people feel good about. Funding Lamborghinis, Bentleys, et cetera, for athletes could get old and hurt NIL donations in the future. What are your thoughts? 
Well, two things. One, it's going to change anyway, probably, right? I mean, there, this is an evolving mm-hmm. thing, uh, yes. and we'll see. And then two, I think people probably are a lot more concerned about what their players are spending their money on when you're not winning. If you're winning the mm-hmm. national championship, you're like, buy say, six I- Lamborghinis. I don't care. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, if I was a Georgia fan and we had won two of, out of the last three national championships, I'd be like, you can buy a freaking rocket ship. I don't know. No care. doubt. Yeah. So, and I mean, I think that it's also, it makes the hot seat hotter. That's, you know, that's why we had to, bl- <laughs> that's why we had to blow old potato out of there so quick is because it's not just season tickets anymore. It's everything. And I think this relates to this is the answer to Jim's question, right? Mm-hmm. If we had kept Potato mm-hmm. as coach and that staff, I think donations would have gone down because fans would not have hope. Exactly. Right. And I think the hope thing clearly matters in this case. You're not just selling it to recruits, mm-hmm. you have to sell hope to the fans in order to generate the NIL revenue to keep the program going. That's it. I think you'd like to get to a place where it's a you know, steady state of income and you're not mm-hmm. having to uh, depend on hope. But I think you're right that at some point the fans have to you know, believe they're going to win. I think in Georgia's case, like the fans are like, super. Keep getting the great players winning national titles. We don't care where the money goes. Right. In no, terms yeah, of the players. And, but I'm also like, you know – I think Georgia fans are pretty happy with their return, and they don't care where the money's going. Right. Um, That's it. So. Right. Yeah, I I get it um, with the the luxury car thing and stuff, but I mean, some of those are like the uh, you know that's the dealership's donation to the NIL thing or whatever. So. Yeah. Excuse me. All right, that's it for Lister questions. If you have other ones, please send them in, and we'll read them on next week's show. All right. Well, let's. Uh move into our last segment here and take a trip let's take a trip around the FTC there they are alright what do we got in uh, around the SEC we want to talk about the Alabama coaching situation which as the stomach turns dun, 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 it just keeps getting less and less savory over there in Tuscaloosa so in the last few days, Alabama offensive coordinator Ryan Grubb and offensive line coach Scott Huff have left Alabama and that gone grubby to guy the left NFL in a huff. to the Seattle Seahawks coaching staff. Mm-hmm. They waited until the 30-day window closed after Saban's retirement, mm-hmm. and when the players could no longer leave or enter the transfer portal, then they left and went to the NFL the rumor had been out there for weeks that he was going to do this, and they were like, nah, we're here. And the minute the window closed and the players couldn't leave, they were like, see ya, bye. I'm wondering if they ever even, did they just like have hotel rooms in Tuscaloosa? Because they're right back in Washington. They're right back in Seattle where they were a month ago. I hope they didn't sell their houses. They clearly, um, so the question is, was it a sham all along? Right. Or did they intend to stay and they got a better job offer? And I think there's a lot of debate on both sides. I think it is clear that, you know, Grubb could have left before, but basically, you know, kind of stalled them until the, the window closed. Right? Yeah. Um, so I think 
he definitely was going to leave. And now they've lost two key position coaches. I mean, Grubb is the real deal, right? This is the guy Saban tried to hire a year ago to be Alabama's OC. Mm-hmm. And you could tell watching Washington in the you know in the college football playoff last year, he's really good. He is a really good offensive coordinator. Uh, and the offensive line coach was a good coach, and they're both gone. So I think at a at a basic coaching level, this hurts Alabama because now they're going to have to go out and f- hire other people. You know, when they're it's harder to find people in the market right now, right? I mean, they'll be able to get people because they're Alabama. They'll go hire somebody away from some other programs, but a lot of the top people have gone to other jobs now and may not leave at this moment. So. Secondly, I think it's the deception element where yes. the players, you know, they had players sign with them. They, you know, Ryan, Ryan Williams, Williams. And guys <laughs> in the transfer portal. Ryan Williams signed expecting to play. You know, have Ryan Grubb set him up in the same way he did the receivers of Washington's team, mm-hmm. and he's gone. And um, they had some other guys transfer in with the idea that these guys would set them up for success, right? So. They had some offensive linemen come in with the idea this coach would be there to coach him, and he's gone. So that's the other part of this is, you know, that it really makes them look bad in terms of, you know, you told us something was going to happen and something else happened. There's a video that's out there, if you've seen it, of Ryan Grubb talking to the Red Elephant Club, and he says, I'm Ryan, you know, there's rumors already at this point. He says, I'm Ryan Grubb, and I am your offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Until wait, what time is it? Anybody got the time? Easy to say for the moment. Yeah. <laughs> anybody? Anybody? Time? Got to watch time. What is it? Two twenty-one p.m. on February first. I'm At your this moment. As far as you know, <laughs> I haven't signed the paperwork yet, no. so I'm still your offensive coordinator. Yeah. And then his watch goes beep beep beep. Like up. Oh, uh, everything I just said. Uh, scratch that. <laughs> Gotta run. <laughs> Gotta catch a flight to Seattle. I was never here. Yes, you, <laughs> it's all an illusion. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's it's nasty and dirty. And, and and of course, there's the idea that you know you you come down to Tuscaloosa and there's no Saban and it doesn't look nearly as attractive as it did five minutes earlier. And you're thinking, man, I got to get out of here. And what those NFL job? Bye. But you know, there is a lot of talk lately that coaches are trying to get in the NFL because college has gotten such so hard for coaches in the in college now to be competitive the, you got to kill yourself the schedule the calendar of college coaching is much worse than it's ever been yeah and we need to do something about it the for college sure. football needs to do something about it because it is creating a situation where coaches cannot have regular lives they can't have work life balance they can't spend time with their families and that's not good for anybody. They're human beings. And I understand they get paid a lot of money, but I'm talking about, you know, from, you know, there's a little bit of dead period around the 4th of July and, and July. And then once you get to August and fall camp starts, you go full speed to fall camp and there's recruiting and the transfer portal and bowls and, you know, your tra- your team trying to keep them from transferring. You're transferring guys in. You're recruiting guys for the December window. You're recruiting guys for the January window. You got the transfer portal guys. You're coming out of bowl practice, and then you you Auburn's fully moved on to recruiting guys for 2025. They hosted huge you know huge recruiting weekend last weekend. We got we didn't mention it. But we got a commitment from a a good tight end out of Georgia for the That's 2025 right. class. Last Four star tight end, so, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so I think that. It's that piece, the, you know, it used to be kind of a 
in season and a little bit of out of season recruiting. Mm-hmm. And now it's a, you know, all the time, 365 day a year, 24 hours a day job. And I think in that sense, uh, we're seeing coaches you know, would rather go to the NFL to put up with that. I don't blame him, honestly. No. Um, oh, the other thing, uh, Chip Kelly, late of UCLA. So he left and took the offensive coordinator job at Ohio State. Is this him angling for, uh, what's his name's head coaching job there? Ryan was, Day? No. Yeah. Was he thinking I, I mean, he was going to get fired from UCLA? Had they made it clear he was going to get fired? Why would you leave being the head coach at a major program like that to go be the offensive coordinator? As UCLA joins the Big Ten. Yeah. I, I think over the course of the last year or so, you know, it had been trending downward for them. And I think he was going to get fired, right? Mm. And then they beat Southern Cal. And I think that saved his job. Yeah. But I think he knew it wasn't going to be great. Southern Cal stole his defensive coordinator, and that was the best thing about their team last year was they had a good defense. And I think he realized that the well, writing was one. kind of on the wall. So he had been interviewing for uh, – NFL offensive coordinator jobs over the last month. Oh yeah, I did hear that. And yeah. then, and then the Ohio State offensive coordinator job opened up. But they had hired Bill O'Brien, who had been at Alabama a while ago, and then he got the Boston College head coaching job, and it opened up. And they so Chip Kelly took it. It's a little crazy, but it's like I mean, who's Alabama's defensive coordinator? The guy who was the South Alabama head coach, right? So, um, yeah, it is a little crazy. But I think it's also like a, you know, Chip Kelly wasn't going to make it through next season, I don't think. so. You know, and the thing from the, from the Ohio State side of it, the thing I've been noticing, I give Ohio State credit. They lost to Michigan the last couple of years, and they saw Michigan win the national championship. They didn't just sit there and, and whine and complain. Ohio State started making moves. They didn't fire Day. But they did everything yeah. else. They started bringing in all these transfers. They brought in a new offensive coordinator that's got some little flash to him. I mean, if and if and if Kelly comes in and runs that Oregon offense that I loved so much back in 2010, it'll actually be kind of fun to watch Ohio State again. He he he's run a really good running game offense the last few years, and they mm-hmm. have Quinchon Judkins, the old Miss running back, yeah. and the good running back from Ohio State last year. And they got a good transfer quarterback coming in. I think the guy from Kansas State, Will Howard. You put those together, mm. I think they're going to be solid. And Chip Kelly can work with that and make something out of it. I mean, it, the the Michigan Ohio State game this this coming fall suddenly got a lot closer. Mm-hmm. Going to be entertaining. Yeah, and with especially with no Harbaugh, do we know who Michigan's new head coach is? It's Sharon Moore, the offensive coordinator. Okay, so that's they keep a little continuity. They, they kind of kept the band together there. So. Right, that's be interesting. Although I, Harbaugh took like the defensive coordinator and a couple other guys with him. I think so. I saw Michigan people all mad and cursing Harbaugh, and I'm just like, this is you know, you guys have been getting run over like a truck by Ohio State for years. And Harbaugh comes in, turns you around, beats Ohio State, and wins the national championship. You don't, and then he goes to the NFL. You shouldn't curse him. You should put a statue up to him and thank him for his service. I mean, if Gene Chizik had left Auburn for the NFL after 2010, we wouldn't have cursed him. We'd have been like, and, and, "Hail Chiz!" For the NFL had taken Gus with him, even then we'd have been like, 
Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for everything. Thanks for the for the memories. Chiz, good luck with the Buccaneers or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. I just can't. How spoiled do you have to be as a fan base to hate and curse the guy that just won you a national championship when you had just been getting run over by your rival every year before that? I mean, my gosh, I, people. I think that's a little bit of just the online yeah. reaction, and and I think it's and it's a little bit of like the in the moment thing. And the big picture, they know they know exactly what you're saying is true. Yeah, I hope so. All right, final thoughts for this week. There's a lot of basketball games. We're in the home stretch. The season's tough. We may not win every game, but this team is really good and really fun. Enjoy it. And as Van said, do not let the losses get you down. That's it. Yeah. Enjoy the good times. Take the bad times in stride. It all that matters. We'll try to win the. We'll try to win the regular season. If that fails, we'll try to win the tournament. If that fails, we'll try to win. Uh, get back to final four. What is success? Mm-hmm. To me, be in the top four in the SEC, get that double bye, get in the NCAA tournament, mm-hmm. that's success. There it is. I will be happy. That is what makes us happy. All right, our time is up. We thank you for yours. Where you go, John? Where you go, man? Thanks for listening to the AU Wishbone. Find links to everything we do at www.auwishbone.com. For more Auburn fun, join us on Twitter at auwishbone and at facebook.com slash auwishbone. War Eagle. The AU Wishbone is produced by Van Allen Plexico and John Ringer. Copyright 2020. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production. Thank you for listening to the AU Wishbone Podcast.